Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us for our latest episode of IMDD Talks. Today, we are going to be discussing everything with our guest, Bob Laux. Hi, Bob. Thank you so much for joining us. If you could just tell us a little bit about yourself and your connection to our DD community and why you're so passionate about housing policy, that'd be a great sure. way to start the show. Sure. Um, uh, my background is I'm, I'm literally a behavioral psychologist by training. And because of that, I uh, was charged uh, right out of grad school with uh, assisting and taking people out of institutions and placing them in communities. And the problem was is that uh, we knew a lot about, well, we, we thought we knew a lot about human behavior, but we didn't. Um, and uh, so we ended up uh, placing a lot of people in group residences, in group homes, etc. And this, I'm talking back in the uh, early 70s. And the problem was, is that human service people uh, generally don't know a lot about real estate. And uh, we had a very difficult time with a lot of administrators in human services uh, spending money uh, inappropriately to buy residences that were obsolete from the beginning and uh, placing people without choice uh, together. And uh, I got very frustrated with the lack of um, knowledge in housing. So I immersed myself in real estate, real estate in uh, development, uh, literally worked all over the country uh, and in Ohio since 1990, uh, developing affordable housing for people with disabilities. As a matter of fact, I worked in Lucas County uh, with the services board there uh, during our first project with the DE Council, uh, which was uh, a five-year project uh, 10 years ago. And uh, Lucas County was one of the uh, counties that uh, applied to for us to work in development of uh, housing options and uh, worked uh, very well with, uh, with the services board there. But uh, so I've been working in Ohio on and off for some 30 years, uh, primarily in the area of housing. I'm, I'm very passionate about where people live and the quality of their life and the quality of my life, just like all of you, is uh, determined by who you live with and what you do in your house. But just plain and simple. Absolutely. And, and you focused your entire career on the policy aspect of housing. Can you tell us a little more about what the housing policy currently is for people with developmental disabilities and what you're trying to work on? Well, it, 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 there's, a, there's a, probably the best way, Nathan, is to describe it as choice. We talk a lot about choice, um, but we really don't give a lot of choice. Uh, if there's an opening in a, in a group residence, it's often the next person on the waiting list who, uh, who, that gets sent there. Uh, unfortunately, that's totally disregarding who they live with, the quality of the life, um, what they can afford, uh, all of those factors that all of us have to consider in, in where we live and with whom we live. Uh, but very often, we don't give choice to people with disabilities. So policy um, policy issues around housing have a lot to do with choice, but they also have to do with affordability. They have to do with how we use the capital uh, that we have available, what we create, who owns the property. As you mentioned earlier, home ownership is a very key part. And with home ownership comes choice. Uh, if you don't own the property, for example, if the provider owns the property, uh, you don't have choice. You don't have choice about uh, the quality of your life. Uh, who, very often, who's, who's your housemate? Uh, 
where you get services from. And if the provider owns the property and they don't do good or do, or do a good job at uh, what they do, um, you get displaced. Uh, not necessarily I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off That's there. okay. With respect to the homeownership piece, do you yeah. believe that homeownership is a viable strategy for county boards to pursue when they think about housing for the future of the individuals they serve? Absolutely. Yeah, uh, and, and ownership uh, it can be defined in two ways, Nathan. It can be defined in, in who physically owns the property in terms of uh, who benefits from the appreciation or depreciation of the value of the real estate. And it's, it's hard for people with limited incomes. I gotta explain that uh, as well. Um, but choice also uh, bears, if you have a lease, uh, I consider ownership uh, in a lease is, is you own that property. Technically, you have a right to invite who you want into that property. You have a right, as long as you make your payments, just like if you own the property, you have a right to privacy, you have a right to, you know, all of the things, including your provider. So home ownership is a very important part, uh, but it's more about control. Um, policy, uh, boy, I can, there's tons of policies we can talk about, but uh, what we've learned, Nathan, is probably more importantly, is that uh, most people with developmental disabilities, because they have limited income, uh, they're economically challenged, they're poor. Uh, most of the people, probably 95% of the people in Ohio that we support, uh, make between 15 and 18% of the area median income, which means that they're extremely poor. Uh, all of the subsidies and all the things are designed for people at 30% of the area median income. Well, that includes just about everybody with 95% of the people with developmental disabilities are economically challenged. And the same as if, if you're poor, you can't buy a house. It's hard to buy a house if you're poor. You don't have down payment. You don't make enough money each month. So you need a subsidy to make that work. So, and with the right supports, even subsidies, I think homeownership can be a really vital tool when we think about people with disabilities potentially building wealth as yes, well. Absolutely. That's what the whole, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the stable account system. Yes, definitely. Well, that's what it's all about. It's economic development, economic wealth, and who gains that ownership. Well, a stable account is one option that people have as a way to gain economic, not necessarily economic independence. I'm not economically independent and I'm retired or supposed to be retired. Um, so it, it's really a matter of uh, uh, resources and, and how we use them. Uh, we've had families in Ohio who've uh, set up trusts that own the property and their sons and daughters live there. We've had people yeah. who use their Section 8 rent subsidy as a mortgage subsidy and own property. So that, that rent subsidy that they get applies toward mortgages as well. Those are really great strategies. And I often talk about money meaning freedom for people with disabilities, Bob. And I, I definitely think that, you know, this is really something for county boards to consider. And while we're on this topic, would you mind talking a little bit more about ways that people could get involved to support this type of advocacy? Uh, well, advocacy is, is critical. Uh, and probably the, one of the most important things in advocacy is a subsidy. Um, it, it, it's a it's a tough topic because, um, 
like I said, 95% of the people with disabilities are poor, but the vast majority of people in Ohio don't necessarily know that they are eligible for subsidies through Section 8 rent subsidies or housing choice vouchers. Those vouchers give people income to pay their rent. It's uh, basically the difference between what's considered fair market rent and what you can afford. If you're on SSI or SSDI, uh, for the most part, um, people are limited to whatever it is, $785 a month or whatever it is. And 30% of that is considered affordability for housing. Well, obviously, in Ohio, you can't find any place in any county where the rent is 30% of SSI. So you need a subsidy of some sort. And without a subsidy, <clears throat> housing is just not affordable. Um, we subsidize uh, people with disabilities in a variety of ways, um, not necessarily directly by rent, rent subsidies, but we subsidize nonprofit housing corporations all the time in Ohio. We, we give funding nonprofit housing corporations that create group homes <clears throat> that own property, et cetera. So we subsidize them. Anyway. Do we have enough accessible and affordable housing to meet? the needs of Ohio's developmental disabilities population. I'm sorry, could you repeat that? Do we have enough affordable and accessible housing that can meet the needs of Ohio's developmental disabilities population? No. Uh, uh, we, we're, we're dramatically short. <clears throat> and you brought up a wide, uh, wide variety. Not only do we not have enough uh, units, we don't have enough um, <clears throat> accessible housing, universal design housing housing that's accessible for people with any type of physical disability. Uh, we, uh, we've learned that the, the hard way. Um, we, we actually have been pursuing from policy the, the need to develop universal design housing that is uh, by design uh, accessible. It's accessible for people who have spinal cord injuries. It's accessible for seniors who have physical limitations. It's accessible uh, for veterans who have disabilities. <clears throat> it's not just for developmental disabilities. Universal design is for anybody who has a physical limitation. We are short uh, dramatically in Ohio. And by depopulating the developmental centers and the ICFs in the state, we've learned a very valuable lesson that the, there just is not enough accessible housing in the state. And there's not going to be for years. So we, we definitely need to change housing policy in Ohio. And I know when I think about the accessibility of houses, I think in some sense it might mean more than just being physically accessible, but also being willing to maybe integrate technology into a home to make it more accessible to a person with a disability. Absolutely. Or um, even looking at policies that might help people with disabilities explore home ownership through county boards and things like that. Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of physical uh, technology around that can assist. And we, we have been pushing uh, the policy as the DD council has. Uh, we actually did some stuff in Delaware County to demonstrate some of the accessible uh, adaptations you can make to a house. For example, just a uh, simple electronic things that you can do to control the house. But that doesn't remove physical barriers. Those electronic things are great and they really make a difference. But if the, if the doorway is not 
wide enough to get a power wheelchair through, it's not going to work regardless. You know, you can see somebody at your door, but you can't can't come in if the, the door is not wide enough. It, Absolutely. So universal design solves a lot of those issues. So what does a successful or good policy look like for housing for people with disabilities? Um, one that gives people choice on what they want. I mean, for, for example, Nathan, I, I don't, I don't know who you live with, but um, I don't get a choice to decide who you live with. I don't uh, decide the quality of your life and who you want in your house, et cetera. Well, that's a very big issue in policy. We talk about choice, everybody has choice. Well, they don't have choice. They, they, uh, they don't choose where they wanna live and with whom they wanna live. We actually in Lucas County uh, introduced a thing called a, um, a uh, uh, what am I thinking? Um, it, it was a, a compatibility index designed to help people make choices about where they were going to live and with whom they're going to live. Uh, based on our years of, of doing analysis of, uh, of why people fail in housing. Well, you know, we have a 52% divorce rate where two people for allegedly all the right reasons can't get along together, but somehow we can put groups of three, four, six, whatever, people with developmental disabilities in a home together and assume they won't have conflict. That's, that's crap. It doesn't work that way. We, we all need to be, so choice is probably the biggest policy that we need to look at. Do people really have choice? And uh, affordability is, a, is a, a big element of that. Living by yourself, getting services wherever you live, is more expensive than it is living with a group of six people where the provider provides services to all the people that live there. There's no doubt about it, but that's not choice. No. So the question is, if we're going to talk choice, we got to, we got to talk the walk or walk the talk. <laughs> so what would be your recommendations for addressing you know, these barriers in our housing and our housing policy? Well, it, it, again, if, if you believe in choice, uh, it, it's helping people make informed decisions based on what is affordable and what is available. And the human service field has to do a better job at what they mean by choice. We have not done a good job. So choice is probably the biggest operative thing in policy is uh, ideally people would have a choice to live with whom they wanna live. They would get a subsidy that gives them wage uh, income parity for rent, so they could and uh, a voucher that they can take anywhere they want um, to gain affordability. We've demonstrated that in Ohio. We, we've got people who are doing exactly that, who are living with whom they want to live and where they want to live, and they're doing a great job. And this, and some services boards are more progressive than others. Absolutely, I think you're really hitting the nail on the head, Bob. So. What does successful or good policy at housing look like for the community at large? And we've talked a bit about what it looks like at the individual level. Sure. But what does it look like for the community? I'm really glad you brought that up because that's one of the issues that we've done webinars for the council on uh, in the last uh, year or so is a thing called a consolidated planning. Uh, which is basically uh, what I call community organization and planning. It's like Lucas County getting together all the people that have affordable housing needs, sitting down together 
looking at what funds are available federally, locally, state, et cetera, and designing a system that addresses the housing needs of everybody. Uh, so when we create new housing, it includes uh, universal design so that people uh, who uh, need accessibility have that or anticipate uh, somebody, for example, that has uh, multiple sclerosis, MS. Over time, their physical needs are going to increase. So they are going to need an environment that has an ad adaptation for them. Well, the same for people that we provide support to. A lot of them uh, are, are seniors. And as they get older, their physical needs are gonna change. Uh, so we have, to, we have to create environments that allow for that. So affordability is a big thing, but getting together as a community to look at what we need and including everybody into that planning process, we call it getting a seat at the table. The DD Council has a publication that uh, we worked with them on uh, that really identifies what consolidated planning is all about and why it's so important. And uh, they have that in their publications list. It's called literally getting a seat at the table. It's an outcome of one of the projects we did with the council. So. That's excellent. Is there any, as we get to the end of the show, is there anything that you would like to share with our listeners before we wrap things up? Sure. I, I, I want to go back to home ownership a little bit, just to because it's an issue that you brought up, and I think it's a, a critical one. I don't think we've uh, even begun to tap into the resources that families have to assist their sons and daughters, should they choose, they don't have to, but should they choose to be involved in uh, creating affordable housing for their son or daughter? Um, we've mentioned stable accounts as one option. Families can create trusts. Individuals can get mortgages uh, based on their income with a rent subsidy. Um, Section 8 rent subsidies can become a mortgage subsidy. So it can assist people to pay off their mortgage. Uh, we've had people who've owned property or do own property in the state of Ohio. One of the long-term effects, however, is that property is expensive. As we've seen with a recent increase in property, um, it, you know, by the time you pay insurance and taxes and all that other stuff, upkeep and maintenance, we don't allow people who have limited incomes uh, the resources that they need to upkeep and maintain that property. So for example, if the roof needs to be replaced, Who's gonna pay the $12,000 to put a new roof on your house? If you don't have a reserve account or a credit card that allows you to charge that kind of money, um, you're gonna have a leaky roof. And, and that's really not fair to put people in circumstances that are gonna drive them to poverty more than they already are. So we need to have a resource like a nonprofit housing corporation that works with people on planning those things in the long run uh, finding ways to uh, advocate for subsidies, finding ways to utilize some of the federal resources and state resources that are available to put that roof on so that poor people can stay where they are and with whom they want to live. And, I, and so home ownership is a really critical piece. I'm not sure it's going to solve the problem of affordable housing. The vast majority of people uh, are not going to be able to buy their own homes or their families may not have the wealth to do that. So affordability is a very critical issue. We need to look at inclusive affordability, meaning not creating properties that are just for a particular population. For example, seniors don't wanna live in nursing homes, no more than people with developmental disabilities wanna live in ICS. 
So we, we need to create inclusive housing that creates opportunities for everybody. And when I think about the value of choice, I think about the role that home ownership plays in that and just how everyone else in the community takes home ownership for granted. I think it's high time that our DD system consider home ownership as a possibility for people with disabilities through all of the strategies you mentioned. I think that's a great that's a great point, Nathan. But um, expand your uh, ownership to control. Uh, I think ownership is a is a misnomer. You can have control over your property by having control over the lease. Uh, for example, if you have a landlord that's very partial to supporting people with disabilities, uh, it's much easier than a landlord who constantly argues about, oh, you want this now, you want that now, whatever. So I think control is the issue. Uh, control over your housing uh, through affordability and uh, control over who you invite into your home is are two critical parts to housing. Agreed. Well, thank you so much, Mr. Lau, for joining us today. I really appreciate you coming on and talking about all of your work with housing policy. And I want to thank the listeners for joining us for this episode of IDD Talks and remind them all, we, we really love hearing your stories. So please connect with us on social media, share with us your thoughts about this episode and any of the other things that are occurring in our DD system. And we look forward to joining you all soon for another episode. Thank you so much. Bye-bye now. Mm-hmm.